0: Amen. That's right. We are once again in our topic, world religions, cults, and the occult. And we are on topic number seven. It rhymes with what? Roman Catholicism, you guys are so right, and we're going to do a little bit of recap because that's just what we do. Uh, And we've already seen, based on the facts, not my personal opinion, this is just dealing with the facts that are out there. Anybody can search it out yourself, that Roman Catholicism is a pseudo, i.e. a fake, false Christian group. Number two, they are a cult. They fit both definitions, secular and biblical definitions. Number three, they are certainly demonic, devilish, John chapter 8, those who disagreed with Jesus, who is the truth, and that's what we share, the truth of who? Jesus, what, how did they react? They didn't just disagree with him. They didn't just say that he was demonic. They actually said, we're going to kill you. And Jesus called him on the carpet. And we saw that even Roman Catholicism is guilty of that devilish behavior with the Inquisitions, which, by the way, did not stop. They are still in effect today. They just changed the terminology. Now, we've been seeing the last couple of times, well, where in the world is all this leading to? What's the relevant uh, aspect today? Well, it's leading to the last days, Antichrist kingdom, riding the woman of the beast, the one world religion harlot system, and, uh, and I think that uh, Catholicism certainly has uh, something to play in that aspect there. Now, we saw so far, in order for that passage to come to pass, Revelation 17, the first time a couple weeks ago, we read the whole chapter in this context there, we saw there's five things that need to happen if we're getting close. Okay? These are events that take place during the seven-year tribulation. We're not going to be there. You don't want excited. Yeah, all five of you, praise God. Yeah, we're going to be gone, the rapture of the church prior to that. So what's the point? Because you'll hear Christians say, I don't need to study Bible prophecy. That's stuff that, that doesn't offend. Yeah, well, here's the point. If these are the events that take place during the seven-year tribulation, and we're seeing all the major chess pieces, if you will, and the platforms and the machinery all being put into play to fulfill this during the seven-year tribulation, we don't know the day nor the hour, but then, therefore, how much closer is the rapture of the church, which takes place prior, Right? It should spur on some urgency, get rid of any procrastination, laziness, and frankly get us excited because if you love him, you long for his appearing, amen? Okay, don't get bogged down with this wicked world system. But we saw in that passage, Revelation 17, you're going to have to see some things come to pass. Number one, you're going to need a religious figure who seduces and intoxicates the whole world into creating a one world religious system. Number two, last week we saw the pluralism figure, i.e. the ecumenical movement, who is uh, seducing the people. And it's a movement that it's one thing for religious figures to say, hey, come on, let's join into this one world religion movement, blah, blah, blah. It, but doesn't mean people have to fall for it. Well, that's what's happening right now. People are falling for it. And we saw there it was not just the world, not just the government, not just being promoted in the media and the school system, but even in the church that we're seeing major, mega, unfortunate signs that they're backing into the arms of Rome, ecumenical, all religions, let's all come together as one. Now, tonight, hopefully, we can finish it up. We're going to see there's also a push for a woman figure. There's going to be an Antichrist figure, and we're going to see some proof of that, believe it or not, and an authority figure because, again, it says she is drunk with the blood of the saints. Okay, And uh, so, wait a second. It's one thing for you to say, uh, hey, you need to listen to us and follow this right? Uh, drunk with the blood means they are martyred, they are killed, right? And so you're going to have to have some sort of authority on a global scale, right, to punish those who would dare resist your system, okay? So hopefully we can get that far uh, tonight. But let's take a look now at number three, the woman figure, okay? Uh, Revelation 17 is very clear. You're dealing with some sort of a woman figure that represents this one-world religious system Babylon the harlot who rides the Antichrist, the beast, okay, the one world government. They work together, but she in the beginning, okay, God, as we saw before, he gives the Antichrist the ability to take her out as as judgment from God, okay, but in the beginning, she's riding him. She's riding the government, so she's controlling in the beginning anyway, okay. But let's take a look at that passage again, Revelation 17, Revelation 17, and let's take a look. Is it really a woman figure, right? And uh, what could that woman figure be? And what does that woman figure represent? Revelation 17 and uh, verses 1 through 6, I believe. And uh, let's take a look at that. And when you get there, say moo. Oh, that sounded nice. That's, That's awesome. Man, I, I just about cried the other day. Somebody says, you turn there, I'm buying you time. That's a little technique in case you're wondering. Right? Oh, and if you're having trouble, just find the dictionary and take a left. Okay, but anyway, so it's the last book of the Bible. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, man, I watched this video. with These, uh, these guys had like this, uh, the whole backyard was full of wiener dogs. And, you know, it's a moo. It was like a, it was like a herd of wiener dogs. When they, when they called, they'd come up to them, and their ears were flopping. I, I, I was touched. All right, let's move on. Revelation 17, bought you enough time. Let's take a look at the first six verses, all right? Here's what it says. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, and I'm going to show you the punishment of the great What? Prostitute who sits on many waters, i.e. the world with her the kings of the earth committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were uh, Intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Remember that's what we saw last week Ooh, It's just everybody's just intoxicated. talk. Can we all just get along and we'll all just get together and play nice and uh, it's just like a wave and Then the angel carried me in the spirit uh, into a desert and there I saw a what? Woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand, filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The titles written on her forehead Mystery, Babylon the Great, the Mother. Of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. All right. So, how many guys did you see any sort of uh, uh, in that text there? Six verses that you're probably dealing with some sort of female figure. All right. Female icon, female representation. And, you know, it could be just that, you know, it says harlot, uh, a prostitute. And certainly uh, God used the same words when uh, Israel went to idolatry, followed other religions. And so maybe it's just more of a euphemism for that. And it could certainly be. But what's very interesting is we're seeing right now as we sit here around the planet, we are seeing a major mega push to move from what's called a male patriarchal society and religion and religions to a female matriarchal uh, worship, a female goddess worship and believe it or not it's even in the church now so that's what we're going to take a look at so bobby it's that time give it up for bobby who's incredibly bored so bored that he's moving the board for those of you wondering about that exciting uh, thrill there Uh, but let's take a look at some of that evidence of are we really being pushed and folks this is in the so-called church right i don't have time to go too much into the world but let's take a look at how much the church is being feminized uh, literally and spiritually moving away from this male patriarchal worship. But let's take a look at that. Mary Daly, who considers herself to be, listen, a Christian feminist. Stop right there, Jim. That's what's called an oxymoron. That's like icy hot, peaceful war, chicken yummy. That ain't happening. Okay. Okay. Excuse me, Christian. You can't be a Christian and a feminist at the same time with what they believe. But anyway, it says about traditional Christianity. Listen, this is supposed to be in the church. She's professing to be a Christian. Quote, to put it bluntly, I propose that Christianity itself should be castrated. The primary focus of the Christian feminist is to bring an end to what they perceive as a male dominated religion. And she continues to say, I am suggesting the idea of salvation uniquely by a male Savior, i.e., Jesus, perpetuates the problem of patriarchal oppression. Excuse me? This is, again, professing Christians, right? Let's move on to this one. The website, Ebenezer Lutheran Church in San Francisco, herchurch.org. I went there again today to make sure it's still there. Yes, it is. In fact, I don't have time to show it to you, but right there on their homepage, if you want to go look at it tonight, when you get home, they are singing a song there. Okay, on there, they got it on their little YouTube channel. And all these ladies and this female thing are singing a song. And listen, it's called Our Mother. And I'll just read to you the first two lines of this song they sing. You can see the YouTube video. Our mother who is within us. We celebrate your many names, right? So this female figure worship, goddess worship under many names. Just as long as you're female, I don't care who you are. As long as you are a female deity, figure that we can worship. And that's on their website. You go check it out. But anyway, on Wednesday nights, they, have, uh, they open the sanctuary. It's still there. This is their service for Wednesday night. We have Bible study. Here's what they got. The goddess rosary. Rosary? Who does rosary? Who also has a female figure in their worship? So-called worship. Oh, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, interesting. So there's a blending there, isn't there? Very interesting. Uh, They say that the exclusive emphasis of God as Father supports a domination structure that oppresses and subordinates women. They also encourage people to pray the Hail Goddess prayer uh, that states, Hail, Goddess, full of grace. Blessed are you and blessed are the fruits of your womb. Stop right there. What does that sound like? Hail, Mary prayers. They just spiritualized it. And again, remember their song, we, By Your Many Names. Just as long as you're a female figure, we'll worship you. Ooh, interesting. And this is supposed to be a Lutheran church. Blessed are you who are blessed of the fruits of your womb, for you are the mother of us all. Yeah, mother of harlots. Okay, Revelation calls that. Uh, Jan Clanton, author of God, A Word for Girls and Boys, says, masculine God language hinders many children from establishing relationships of trust with God. In addition, calling God He causes boys to commit the sin of arrogance. Okay, and calling the supreme power of the universe, He causes girls to commit the sin of devaluing themselves. So for the sake of these little ones, we must change the way we talk about God. In other words, feminize Him. You've got to be kidding me. But notice how how these kids... It's like the same thing. You want, to f- you want to fix society? You want to fix the school system? Buy them a computer. Because we all know every time you buy a computer device, it saves time, money, no hassle. Dawn, you love it when you get updates on your iPad, don't you? Yes, I'm joking. Okay, but, <laughs> but that, that's the panacea, right? It'll fix everything. And it's the same thing. Oh, come on, please. It's for the kids. You've got the kids. Think of the kids. Whatever. This is an abomination. This is in the church, right? Another one. One of the hottest books right now for a long time has been The Shack. The shack uh, is openly New Age. The shack, amongst other things, represents God as a woman. There's actually churches that do Bible studies with this, believe it or not, in the church. And I'm talking evangelical church. And it's representing God as a woman. And, by the way, you can check it out. It's now being made into a movie and it's coming out, I think, in two months. The shack. How many people is going to fall for that baloney? But you're seeing a careful, methodical switch from a male patriarchal religion worship to a female worship. Kind of interesting. When you take a look at how many times was the female represented in the verbiage in the first six verses of Revelation 17 with the one more religion harlot. Kind of interesting. But that, that's just feminism. Okay, that's feminism. That's what they're doing, okay, even in the church. But again, Catholicism has their female figure that they worship too. And they do worship her. Mary. Okay, in fact, we're probably going to have a whole study post this study uh, just on Mariology. Their worship of Mary. And yes, it still is in effect today. I'm just going to give you a little teaser. And uh, this is an article uh, from the Pope. And you tell me, oh, Catholics don't worship. Yes, they do. Okay, and here's the Pope. Pope Francis says, and this is from his Twitter account, uh, the Christian who does not feel that the Virgin Mary is his or her mother is an orphan. Right? And so the guy goes on to say this, I can't speak for anyone else, but as a Christian, I was extremely offended by this. Pope Francis is essentially saying that anyone who will not worship Mary as their mother, what's the verbiage in 17 Revelation? Mother of heart. Uh, As their mother is not a real Christian, is what he's saying. Yet there is not one scripture that sustains this. In fact, there's tons of scriptures that oppose it. Furthermore, who or what gives the Pope the authority to classify Christians who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ as orphans simply because they refuse to worship Mary, which, by the way, is idolatry? And to make matters worse, in 1854, the papacy declared Mary as sinless. What? And in 1951, they stated that she had now ascended up into heaven where she was crowned, quote, Queen of Heaven. And again, we're going to get into that in greater detail. Queen of Heaven, Queen of Heaven, that sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. Queen of Heaven was the pagan goddess that the Old Testament, God in the Old Testament called out Israel for worshiping. And this is the exact same title that Rome Uh, catholic rome has given to mary Hmm, it's like a double abomination okay but according to catholicism the virgin mary also now acts as our mediator between god and humanity but that's not what the bible says we have only one mediator and who's that jesus christ between god and man he says clearly something is not right turn to somebody and say the understatement of the year (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he did say this, although I find it fascinating that the Pope is bold enough to stand up in front of a crowd of thousands of people and contradict the Bible, I find it disgustingly appalling that these same crowds are blindly following what he says. The Bible says that all Christians who receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and are led by the Spirit of God are now sons of God, despite what Pope Francis or anyone else can say. Talk about, he says, dictatorial. As Christians, it's important that we study God's word for ourselves. The scriptures tell us, all Christians, that they should study the word of God, show ourselves approved. Okay, Catholicism, listen, he says, is a deeply deceptive religion that disguises itself as Christianity, but slowly eases its followers into idolatry and the worship of pagan gods. And I like this, and we'll probably get into this again more later, but just give you a little teaser. He says, one woman in the Bible, tried to bless Mary. Did you know that? Okay, And Jesus told her something that I think is significant for today, and I'll quote that for you if you want to write it down. Luke 11, verses 27 through 28. Right, For those who say to bless Mary, we need to say blessings to Mary. Listen to this, and I quote, And it came to pass, as he spake these things, Jesus, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps which thou hast sucked. So she's trying to say, Bless Mary. Jesus responded, quote, yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. That's from Jesus, okay? Mary, great godly woman, what a privilege, but she admitted even herself in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, that God, her Savior, she was not sinless. She needed a Savior just like the rest of us, and she was just that chosen vessel, okay? And uh, when uh, she did not, uh, was not sinless and she didn't uh, uh, you know, get assumed up into heaven, it's just crazy, Okay. But that's part of the pagan worship that has been blended with that. But we're seeing that movement. Now, now, again, so what do we see? Feminism. It's even coming in the church with this female worship deity. Switch away from that nasty male stuff. And then Catholicism, they've already gotten going for, what, centuries with the worship of Mary. Right? But we also have, remember, let's back up a little bit to our Hinduism and Buddhist study. right? You got the yin-yang principle, remember that? Male-female dualities, Right? That's where you get, you, even in our verbiage, we said you're, you need to get in touch with your, femi- side, your feminine side. Feminine think i guys heard of that. That's this yin yang. Mino- no, I don't. Okay, that's a lie. <laughs> guys are guys, girls are girls, man. There ain't you no know, whatever. Okay, but that's where it comes from. Hinduism, they could worship the goddess Shiva, right? So there's a female element in there. Environmentalism, boy, is that rampant today, especially once youngs and millennials on down and stuff like nature. Man, they're just, if you don't recycle, you don't know. <laughs> I don't want to go into that. We already dealt with that. But it's just like, but that's Mother Earth. That's old fashioned pagan Gaia worship. That's coming back like a flood. That's being promoted everywhere. So that's a female idea. Mother Earth, not not Father God. They they don't talk about Father God when it comes to insurance claims. That's an act of God, right? And they don't want to pay, right? But everything else is Mother Earth, right? Okay, Uh, wicked witchcraft, they have their goddesses that they worship uh, as well. In fact, the European Union, believe it or not, the European Union, Mr. Tozer brought this out in the Revelation study before, but uh, the European Union, remember the Antichrist, revived Roman Empire, coming out, one world government? European Union, believe it or not, remember, she's the woman, the harlot, who rides the beast, the Antichrist system, the one world government system, right? So a woman riding some sort of an Antichrist figure, a beast figure. This is like... I'm not, you think, oh, you're making this up. No, I'm not. They've chosen uh, their new symbol. Let's just take a look and see if you recognize. This is the European Union, right? Something strange is coming down the pike. Look at all these different pictures, okay? Every single one of them. This is on their coinage, right? Over here, a couple different examples. Even on their cards, right? Uh, Even outside their buildings, structures, their government buildings, even on their magazines. It's not a guy driving a hot rod car. It's not a kid on a scooter, Every single one of them, it's a woman on a beast. It's almost like somebody's following a script or something. This is going on right now in our world, folks. In fact, listen to this. Europe for all. You tell me if they're not planning on not just grabbing the nations together, it's the religions. It's Europe for all. We can all share the same star, Europe for all. And what's the star made up of? All the symbols of all the different religions on the planet. Okay, This is what's going on in the revived roman empire uh, if you will and so that's taken so you take a look at revelation 17 we've already seen there's a religious figure again as we said before hey if the pope ain't the false prophet he's working real hard to getting the job so you have this political figure that's going around and he's wanting to grab all that working with the vatican okay and that, then, you, then what we saw last time, there's, there's already people, even in the church, that are intoxicated with this. All religion, let's all work together and hold hands together and help each other. And, yeah, right? and now you've got this female figure and this female figure already being, wow. But we've got two more to go. All right? The Antichrist figure, let's take a look at that. Because right? it's a woman that rides the beast, okay? which of course, easy, nobody else would disagree with that. That's the Antichrist. It's clearly the Antichrist. So you need a female deity. You have to have an Antichrist for her to work with. She, again, she's going to be riding on him uh, until God allows him, the Antichrist, to destroy her. Uh, that's what you read in Revelation 18, the destruction of her uh, via the Antichrist. But again, as we saw before, the Antichrist, who's he? He is a political figure who arises on the scene okay, that the world gets woo, swayed up into with his false utopian stuff of that nature and, uh, and that she's going to be working with. Okay, But you literally see that in halfway into the seven-year tribulation, Daniel 9 talks about this, uh, Matthew 24, Jesus talks about this, Paul talks about that. Halfway into the seven-year tribulation, there's this event called the abomination of desolation. What's that? That's defined by the scripture as the Antichrist goes up into the temple, or the Jewish people wanting to rebuild a temple. He goes up into that temple halfway into the seven-year tribulation, the final week of Daniel's 70th week prophecy. He goes up there and he declares himself to be God. And then, boy, it's downhill from there. I mean, it wasn't going good anyway in the first half. Okay, but it's really bad now, right? And uh, so he's this political figure that people end up worshiping him literally as a god, right? And so, so to me, that's the question. I mean, you, nobody's going to worship a guy as a, literally a god. I mean, that's pretty strange. Well, no, not if you think about it, right? Let's go back to environmentalism. Environmentalism, what's the belief? Pantheism, all is god and that could be a person it could be a flea it could be a tree that's why whales have apparently just as much right to exist than a baby in a womb and frankly they care more for the whale than the baby in the womb that's why it's all twisted because we're all hinduism what's that teach we saw before right all is god that we're all part of the god consciousness and we just need to. new age what's new age teach that we're all gods, right? Even in the church, we saw those folks, Frederick Price and uh, Kenneth Copeland and Ken Hagen and all those other guys and Morris Cirillo. What do they say? What are they teaching? What's the false teaching? We're little gods. That's even in the church. Witchcraft, right? Wicca. They even teach that gods and goddesses so, a, a, and worship of the, and on and on it goes. New Agers, right? I, I already mentioned, uh, but also with uh, 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 these supposed uh, visions of the Virgin Mary, even in Catholicism. What's one of the messages from this demonic entity, this familiar spirit—we already dealt with that. that. One of the messages is that we're all God; we're divinity within. We need to re- these supposed channel messages from space aliens, of all things, for them to say. They not only say we need to submit to a one-world ruler under one-world government and uh, let somebody take over the planet, so they're supporting the Antichrist kingdom. They also say, as we saw before, that uh, Lucifer's a good guy. Okay, but they're saying that we're gods, and we need to acknowledge that. And that's the cosmic consciousness that we need to evolve to in order to help save the planet. So you're seeing a multitude of people out there who are already being prepped to think that a person can become a god. Now, I said all that to get to this. Now, that's one thing to say that. That's one thing to put it out there, uh, a false path for people to believe in. It's another thing for them to do it. And specifically do it to a political figure. Do we see any political figure on the planet? I'm not saying this person is the Antichrist necessarily. But do we see any evidence of political figures, world figures, literally being worshipped as a god? And people are serious about it. Yes, we are. Now, in the past, we've seen some of that, if you will, worship with uh, like Stalin or Mao Zedong. You know, some of the communist nations, those people get, you know, they, they got these giant pictures and these giant statues and people. It won't happen today, will it? Yeah, you know where I'm going. That was a long sarcasm drawn out, wasn't it, Bobby? But I had to do it for the sake of the effect. Okay, uh, yeah, it is. And of course, you guys know who I'm talking about. It rhymes with Obama. Okay, yeah. And I have to do that, not because I'm picking on him, because that's what's happening. People are worshiping and have worshiped him for the last eight years, literally as if he were God. Don't take my word for it. Listen to theirs. This is how close we're getting to the planet. What's, What's the premise? The planet will worship the Antichrist as God. The political figure. Watch this. Okay. First of all, we see this evidence of this uh, in Iowa. Remember that we talked about this before. He is uh, uh, making, riding a donkey, making a triumphal entry, and people waving uh, palm fronds. Right. That was bad enough. Okay. It gets worse. This artist actually painted this in a Christ-like pose of Barack Obama, and was supposed to be uh, unveiled, but it caused such a ruckus that I don't think they did that actual ceremony. But it's still out there. That was an actual painting. That that's. Folks, that's blasphemous, okay? I don't care who it is. Newsweek, the media, of course, as we know, has always been pandering to him, okay? On the top, excuse me, the second coming. Do you think that was arbitrarily? Hmm, what do we come up with? What phrase do we use? No, that's deliberate verbiage. Oh, and by the way, what's it say at the top? W- women will save Europe. And, that's kind of an interesting Oh, and they did it again here. The God of all things. And again, who's on the cover? Right, So you're, you're seeing that elsewhere. Now, if you think that's just a quinky dink and people literally aren't worshiping as God, let me give you some snippets of evidence of people literally doing that. Let's take a look at that.
1: We are here for the healing of the nation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: to the prophet Jeremiah, we cry out. Is there no bond in Gilead? Is there no physician here? Why
0: then has
1: the health of my poor people not... Injustice in health care is the most shocking and inhumane.
0: Yeah.
1: From healthcare systems and in industries that place profit over people. Yeah. From lobbying efforts that block access to quality health care for all. Yeah. I pledge, I pledge. I pledge, I pledge. 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 I
0: pledge. I pledge. I pledge. I pledge. I pledge pledge to be of service to Barack Obama. I I pledge pledge
1: to be a servant to our president
0: and all mankind. Because because together together we can, together we we are, and together we we will be the change that we we seek. Obama's had really a different task. Uh, we we've we seen too often as the bad guys, and he he has a very different job. From from Reagan
1: was all about America, and you talked about it. Obama is we are above that
0: now. We're not just parochial. We're not just chauvinistic. We're not just provincial. We stand for something. I mean, in a way, Obama standing above the country, above above the world. He's sort of God. He's first of all, give an honor to God. And our Lord and Savior Barack Obama. Now that is blasphemous. Yeah, and I'm not. If you're if you're thinking I'm just picking on Obama again, you're missing the point. He's a world political figure, albeit turn to somebody and say nine more days. He's a world political figure. All right, he's a world political figure. But what are people doing? This could have been in Canada. I would have shown them the same thing. But it's here, even in our own nation, our own supposed Christian nation. And people... It, it, make, what, wasn't that one, I pledge, I pledge? That was creepy. That stuff that you see like with, with Hitler. I mean, that was creepy. But what are you seeing? A world political figure that people are literally not just worshiping, but literally out of their mouths. yeah. You're our God, our Savior. Hear our cry, deliver us. That's what the Antichrist is going to do. You need that Antichrist figure on the planet because that's who the one world religion harlot Revelation 17 is going to ride. Okay, and that stuff is happening right now. Now, the fifth and final one I see in that passage, Revelation 17, uh, is you need a global authority figure, right? Because the premise is this: you not just need that female deity right? You not just need the antichrist for the female deity to work with, but you got to have a global authority to punish those who resist this system. It's like, I'm not going to sit there and worship this guy. Well, Revelation 13 says what? You don't do it, what? With the help of the false prophet? What's going to happen? You're going to die. And then everybody who pledges allegiance, you don't just make videos, you're going to have to take a mark, right? To show your allegiance, worship. At least three or four times in Revelation 17. It's not just taking the mark. It says, and they will worship the beast. They will worship the beast. They worship the beast. So it's an attitude of worship, and they take the mark. Okay, But those who don't do it, you're going to die. Now, my point is, well, hey, listen, you you could be a resistor. What are they going to do? Just threaten you? How are they going to do it? And we know they're going to die because Revelation 13 says they're going to die. But also we see in the Scripture uh, that these people die like flies. I'll get to that in just a second. Okay, But it also says this woman... If you don't go along with this one-world religion system, she is drunk with the blood of the saints. So she's guilty of the the blood. Mass slaughter of people who don't go along with this uh, beast and woman system. uh, Both angles, okay? So my question is, well, how are you going to pull it off? It's one thing to have that on the planet. How are they going to find you? How are they going to do it? Well, you have to have some sort of global structure in place, right? To begin to disseminate and make that global order uh, with your global army that's going to take out these resistors, right? Now, we already saw with the Jesuits part of the thing that they did with the Pope, and their word's not mine. They are the army of the, the Pope, okay, and things of that nature. And then their job is to get in there and to infiltrate and et cetera, even the Protestants, right, uh, And uh, as a faithful order of the Pope, okay? But as we saw before, we're already seeing the call, not just for a U, U, the UN, which is supposed to be governing the nations, the governments around the world, and the UN is putting out orders To dictate what's going on around the world, like with the recent one, right, against Israel. Wow, right? But there's an actual entity that's been in place for decades now, the United Nations that controls the governments around the world, right? So that's already in place. Well, the same thing is happening right now before our very eyes. In different religions, they're now calling for United Nations of Religions. We need a global headquarters who will control the world's religions and keep everything in tow. And let me translate that for you, and then we'll have the global authority to get rid of the resistors. But let me share with you, I've shared these quotes with you before, but it's all different religions. King Abdullah Arabia, he has been planning to, for years, to, quote, find a way to unite the world's major religions in an effort to help foster peace. And he believes a new international organization will help make that dream a reality, right? Even more specific, you're going, well, wait a second, the Jewish people? Yeah, we know the Jewish people get uh, deceived because they're the ones who actually make the peace treaty with the Antichrist, okay, for seven years, right? That's what starts the seven-year tribulation. So we know they're not starting out on a good spiritual note. Now, they wake up later, right, after the Antichrist goes in the temple and shows himself to be God, but now it's like, oh, it's too late. Two-thirds die, one-third sovereignly protected. But even they are showing signs of this deceit. They're looking to somebody for that figure. But listen to what Chief Rabbi Yonah Metzger said. He said, quote, we need, his words, not mine, a united relations of religions, which would contain representatives of the world's religions as opposed to nations. What did he just say? Just like we have the United Nations governing the governments around the world, we now need one for the religions. You're seeing a call right now, even amongst the Jewish people, under unfortunately the, the temporary blindness that Paul talks about, Romans 11, okay, being deceived, calling for this global authority over religions. A church, he says, a mosque. A synagogue or a holy temple must be embassies of God, and we have to spread this idea to our believers. Now, he suggested the Dalai Lama could lead the assembly. All right? A Muslim figure, this guy, Adnan Akhtar, he met with three representatives from the reestablished Jewish Sanhedrin to discuss how religious Muslims, Jews, and Christians can work together on rebuilding what? The temple. An official statement about the meeting was published on the Sanhedrin's website where they stated, quote, We are all the sons of one father, the descendants of Adam, and all humanity is but one single family. Peace among nations will be achieved through building the house of God where what? All peoples will serve. And could not that very well be the very temple that will be in existence that's more of a universal temple, right? That gets built. The Jewish people get to go there too, but it's all for all the people. And then halfway into that time frame, the Antichrist goes up. Oh no. Not everybody gets to worship who you want. Now worship me. You're seeing people call right now from different religions. You think, did you think a Muslim would ever go along with this? No. Jewish people, do you think they would ever go along with this conglomeration? It's happening right now. Not just happening, they're calling for it to be built right now. In fact, listen to what he said. The temple will be rebuilt and all believers will worship there in tranquility. He believes the temple could be rebuilt in one year. Wow. Very interesting. Oh, here's one. Shimon Perez. The former president of Israel met with who? Pope Francis to discuss the idea of creating a UN-like organization that he called the United Religions. Oh, oh, wait a second. Of all people, who's he meeting with? The Pope, the Catholic Church. Meeting with them to discuss what? We need to have somebody in charge of all the religions. Why would he be talking about the Pope? Unless, of course, maybe they want to fulfill that role right? Very interesting. And that's the actual picture. I'm not making this up. And he said, this will what? Bring an end to the wars raging in the Middle East and around the world. So right now we're seeing a call for a global authority to govern not just the nations, that's already in place, but to govern uh, the religions, okay? And if you don't think that they're going to ultimately turn on people who dare not go along with that, That's already happening. In fact, we know what's going to happen. Let me just show you this verse. This is in the first half of the seven-year tribulation. This is not referring to the church. This is the tribulation saints, those who got saved after the seven-year tribulation started. But listen to what is happening to those people. Revelation 6, 9 through 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of the souls those who had been slain because of what? the word of God, and the testimony they maintain. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. There's no preservation. Some people who want to put the church in the seven-year tribulation says, Oh, no, no. See, God will preserve them during that time. There's no preserving going on. There's a horrible slaughter. Right? And the whole seven-year tribulation is full of God's wrath. And the Bible is extremely clear that Christians through Jesus Christ, we are not appointed unto, we are saved, and we are rescued from God's wrath. And that includes includes the whole seven-year tribulation. These are people who got saved afterwards. We know people can get saved during the seven-year tribulation. We see that the gospel still goes forth. We see that certainly with the 144,000 male Jewish evangelists. And then right after it mentions them in Revelation 7, it mentions all the people getting saved. There's, there is going to be people getting saved. We got the two witnesses. We also have uh, the, the angel that flies and declares the eternal gospel. So God's mercy is still in the midst of his judgment. The point is, get saved now. Get saved now because these people are going to be slaughtered like flies. Who? Revelation tells us the one world religion is going to be drunk with their blood. Number two, the Antichrist, you don't worship him, you're going to die too. And you have to take the mark. You don't, you're going to die. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Revelation also tells us that people have their heads chopped out. It's it's not going to be good. You You need to get saved now if you're not saved. All right? And that's the point of the passage. Now, you were seeing signs also that that is already going to be... Notice is because they maintained the testimony and they kept the word of God, right? That's why they were killed. Well, folks, we're, I believe, seeing signs of that happening already. That it's not just that we, you know, for, for a long time, society's disagreed with us, right? But now, what's happening with the verbiage and even with the legal rulings is that it's not enough to disagree with our belief okay, even moral beliefs, they are saying that we are guilty of a hate crime. Step one. Step two, that's gone on for now 20 years, okay, about, and now they're saying we need to round up and take care of those hate crime folks. Now, they're doing that on two issues, and I think this is all part of getting our world prepped to specifically not just disagree, but now go to that next stage, get rid of the resistors, okay? Get rid of those who maintain the word of God, okay? Okay. And it's on a moral issue and it's on a spiritual issue. Here's what they're doing. You need to pay attention. And again, we're not in the seven-year tribulation. We're not going there as the church today. But we're seeing these events lead up to a global slaughter of those who hold to the Word of God. Number one, it's the homosexual issue. The homosexual issue used to be, well, they disagree, whatever. Now, because of the court system, Europe's further along, but we are hard on their heels. right? You're seeing that it is not just a hate crime, but people are losing their businesses, it's not just even being fined, people are being ostracized, people are not allowed to go into universities, they take away your degrees, in certain areas in the military you cannot serve, and things of that nature, all because of the moral issue, that you're guilty of a hate crime, you will be punished, and the second thing that is, is what I call a spiritual issue, that's the moral issue, that's excuse number one to round up the resistors, Right now as we sit here. Number two is the spiritual issue. And that is the ecumenical. If you and I dare disagree that all religions are basically the same. Why do you think we're doing this study? All the religions are basically the same. And we need to all just learn to get along. And we need to stop saying that our way is the only way. Which we have to because that's what Jesus said. But what that's called is now being called also the same verbiage on the moral issue. The homosexual issue. Now that attitude is being called you're an exclusivist and that too is now being called a hate crime. Right? In fact, there's a pastor, I think it's in Ireland, right? Because he spoke out against Muslims and Islam that he was uh, jailed speaking at it in the church which you think there should be some freedom but he was jailed because, and it was specifically labeled a hate crime speaking out that Jesus is the only way and that Islam is a false path that leads people to hell. This is happening right now. So to me, these are birth pains. These are signs that we're getting close to the excuses that a global entity will use to round up those who maintain God's testimony, right? You disagree morally, what we say should be accepted and tolerated. And you have the audacity to keep on out there saying that your way is the only way you will be rounded up and taken care of, right? Because those are the two things uh, that, that cannot go along with that. Now, the point is, that kind of behavior is already happening on we the church, okay? This kind of round up the Christians in slaughter. And this is what the last administration in nine days uh, is one of the major egregious crimes that all over the world, there's been a major There's a new Holocaust going on, and I will use that word because Jewish people have used that word in reference to us Christians being slaughtered. So I'm not making fun of that. There's a new slaughter going on. It's been going on for a while, but in the last eight years, zip. And let me share with you folks, and this is the, this, these are Christians who hold to the word of God, right? But what's happening, it's being accepted to round them up and get rid of them and kill them, right? Let's just take a look at some statistics. Right now, there's over 250 million Christians worldwide under the threat of persecution. Right now, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are being beaten, tortured, imprisoned, and murdered as we sit here. Why? Because they refuse to compromise God's truth and go along with an ecumenical movement promoted by this one-world religion. In fact, in one year alone, 310,000 Christians were slaughtered in one year. Why isn't the news talking about this? More Christians have died for their faith in the last century alone than in the previous 19 centuries combined, and it's getting worse. North Korea remains the worst country in the world to be a Christian because it's a behavior that's punishable by death or life in prison. Okay, And listen to this. There's an estimated 70,000 Christians in prison there, in camps, just like the Jews in Nazi Germany, and it's a sentence that's not just for the individual believer, but for three generations of their family. Right now in North Korea, their parents, their children, and their grandchildren. In fact, last year, North Korea passed a law that says possessing a Bible is punishable by death. 70,000 are in camps. I think the figure is much higher, some other people would say. But can you imagine 70,000 Muslims being held in a camp? You think the news would cover it? And saying, if you bring in a Quran, we're going to kill you? But why is it okay for Christians? Because Christians are the one who do what—hold to the word of God. We do not budge, and those are the people who are going to be slaughtered like flies in this system. Syria—they're causing in the current war—they're using it as an excuse to get rid of Christians in their country. Well, how come that's not making the news, right? All they talk about in North Korea is oh, you know, the guy with the bombs, the nuclear. War. What about the Christians over there? Syria? Oh no, what's going on We're over there with Russia? What about the Christians over there? Why don't you talk about that? There are forced conversions or killings by those who do not convert to Islam. 41 of the top 50 countries persecuting and killing Christians right now are Muslims. Right? And thousands of Christians right now are being slaughtered in their faith in India, Burma, Nigeria, Afghanistan, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Belarus, Sudan, and on and on and on and on it goes. In fact, listen to this. Christians are being persecuted so bad, the assailants are... I'm not making this up. You can check it out yourself. The assailants are killing them, draining their blood selling it for profit and weapons and to go to heaven. Let me explain that. They're actually over there saying they're draining the blood of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. They're putting it in vials. They're selling those vials. I think one figure was like it was either 10,000 or 100,000 bucks because there's a there's a belief going around there in the Muslim community that if you want to go to heaven, because remember it's a works-based salvation, and the only basically only way you can make sure you get there is you blow people up in a jihad, right? Okay? There's also now a rumor going around that uh, they also now are saying that if you drink the Christian's blood, you will go to heaven, and people are paying big bucks for it. And they're using that money to buy more weapons and stuff. This is going on right now. Why is that in the news? How come nobody's talking about that? This is really going on. That's sick, right? And it's not just sick. It's exactly what the Bible says in Revelation 17, a one-world religion harlot is going to do in the last days. She's what? She's drunk with the blood of the saints. That is absolutely wild. Okay. Let's take a look at that. Revelation 17.6. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints. The blood of those who what? Who bore testimony to Jesus. And when I saw her, I was astonished. You got to be kidding me. Right. It gets even worse. And apparently that's why a new research study. The Pew Research Center said quote. Christians and Christianity are now the most persecuted religion on the planet. And yet. The last administration, many more days, has kept their mouth shut on the most persecuted religion on the planet. Not good, folks. And that right now, as we sit here, do the math, how many has already happened? A Christian is killed every eleven minutes, and Christian persecution is turning into, quote, Christian extinction. That's their words, not mine. And it's quote the biggest story in the world that's never been told. Now what's the point? The point is this. In the seven year tribulation, those who hold to the word of God, you are going to be slaughtered like flies. You think, oh, come on, it can't get that bad. That would be somebody would speak up. We, I believe, are seeing the groundwork in place to get so callous, specifically towards the Christian, that when that happens, it's going to be a gleeful event for people. In fact, remember the text there in Revelation chapter 11 with the death of the two witnesses? The the two witnesses declaring God's righteousness? What was the reaction of the world? They not only sent gifts to each other, they what? woo party, yeah! Over the death of two righteous men declaring God's word. Crazy, folks, we're we're heading towards that. Okay, and this is why an evangelist in Europe is now warning, quote, the fate of Christianity in the what? U.S. is not far from what's happened in Christianity Europe. And he cites, here's the reason why. Tell me this isn't happening. He says it's because the church is sleeping and dying out in America. Right? Oh, come on. Are you serious? You guys talk? What, what, what time does the game start? You going out there? Is the economy going to switch around? What about, how about that economy? Right? The economy, <coughs> <coughs> What's the phone? Oh, look at the vague candy crèves. The church is sleeping when all this is going on. Right? And dying out. Remember what I said? 50 to 75 churches close their doors Every week, church facilities? That's in America. In the Western Hemisphere. All right. Let's go on. The homosexuals, he says, are stamping out Christianity in the Bible. I shared this before and folks, this was a I knew it was bad. Remember when we did our study here? The Christian response to the Supreme Court decision? Right? And purposely wanted to go through that. We dealt with that four weeks, four hours of information, biblically dealing with that. And the final one, I was really excited about. I was excited about all of them to get us equipped on that issue to lovingly give a word of God response to that issue in our own country. But the last one was an apologetic one, 15 objections that people throw against us. How to answer those biblically, lovingly, philosophically, logically, right? Woo, what a great resource. Not saying that we're the best things in sliced bread, but hey, at least it's a resource out there. What was it read? Forty or 42 we sent it out to? 40? 40 different ministries in the United States and Canada we sent this resource out to. We want to help get the word out, help get equipped on this. This was right after that Supreme Court decision. You know how many in the United States and Canada responded? Two. And out of the two, only one ran with it. And at that point, it's like we're toast. But he says, because that's why we, we're, we're chickens. We're afraid to speak up. We have been boxed into a corner and been conditioned to keep your mouth shut or we're coming after you. We've lost our boldness, right? Sharing the truth is the greatest act of love. God's truth, because God's truth is what sets people free. Because sin hurts, harms, and destroys. Number one. Number two, you keep it up and you still don't receive the truth that Jesus is the only way, you're going to hell. And I said it before, I'll say it again. I'd rather have somebody hate me and go to heaven than love me and go straight to hell. I don't want those kind of friends. That's not a friend, right? But number three, he says, it's also because atheism is not being debated, it's just being denounced. Let me translate for you. Oh, we don't need to study that. That's those people. We don't believe that. We don't need to know. Why do you think we've been doing so many apologetics? He also mentions the fourth one. The role of apologetics is being downplayed to reach the skeptics, right? Historically, in all the places I've ever pastored, you know the two biggest topics I've got the most flack from the church? Whenever I talk about creation versus evolution and Bible prophecy. and Flat out either doesn't want it, or they'll say, well, if you, if you have to, relegate it to a Sunday school class. No, I want to do it from the pulpit because I only get a very small portion of the sheep. And we all need to know this stuff. And that's what he says. It's not being done. All we're doing is just saying, oh, you're wrong. You're a bunch of goobers. And people look at us like we're the goobers. Because we have no response. We haven't been trained. Right? And then he says this. The people continue to think it could never happen in the U.S. We're living in la-la land. That's why it's coming to the United States a lot quicker. Right? And frankly, it's already begun. Uh, Christian songs are being disqualified from the Oscars. I'm just going to share some headlines. This is happening right now in the, our own country. Right? Hollywood's portraying Christians as dangerous terrorists in the movies, and not only duped idiots as well. Bibles are being banned from hotels. Home Bible studies are being declared illegal. The IRS is targeting conservative Christian groups specifically. Amazon and PayPal are being pushed to blacklist conservative Christian groups, which is a huge portion of what we buy and sell, uh, by the way. Police are investigating a church that had a poster suggesting that nonbelievers would burn in hell. It was turned in by a passerby as a what? That's just a sign out in front. But now it's considered a hate incident, a hate crime. Troops are being banned from attending vacation Bible school. Teachers are telling students Jesus is not, quote, allowed in school. Colleges are rejecting applications from Christians because of their Christian faith. Schools are banning Christian clubs. Uh, Schools are banning uh, books from Christian authors. And if you start to add this up and did the uh, history on this, it's the exact same path that Hitler did to ultimately lead to his final solution, exterminate the Jews. Here's what he did in order in Germany chronologically. He didn't announce, you know, his first year there, hi, we're gonna exterminate the Jews. Slowly but surely, he turned them into the bad guy and then off to the death camps. Now, what I just shared with you in the Christian community, here's the order that he did it eventually to the Jewish people to where society went along with it. Number one, the first thing he did, he started publicly burning the books by Jews, specifically. Well, it's freedom of expression. We can do that. I mean, people, they deface the, Bible, the Christian Bible. They make fun of Christian authors. They burn Christian books. They, that's okay. It's freedom of... That's where he started. We're already there. Random attacks on Jews and Jewish property. That's already here against Christians. Police and the courts no longer protect the Jews. Okay, Boycotts of Jewish uh, shops. Jewish practices were banned. Jewish students excluded from the exams in medicine, dentistry, pharmacy, and law. That's already happening in our educational system with Christians in certain areas. Jews excluded from military service. Uh, Laws denied Jews many basic civil rights. Jews no longer allowed to vote and lose uh, German citizenship. Jews banned from parks, restaurants, and swimming pools. Jews banned from communication devices and transportation. A Special identity tar- cards were then issued to the Jews, and then they were rounded up and arrested. All schools were closed to Jewish children, and then they were sent off to the death camps. Were we in that order? Not that far off, folks. Okay, so you put it all together, folks, and we are on the exact same path. In fact, one guy said, quote, it's coming to America much sooner than you think, and you better get ready well watch this
1: the church in america is going to suffer so terribly and we laugh now but they will come after us they will come after our children they will close the net around us while we are playing soccer mom and soccer dad while we are arguing over so many little things and mesmerized by so many trinkets the net even now is closing around you and your children and your grandchildren and it does not cause you to fear You will be isolated from society, as has already happened. Anyone who tries to run for office who actually believes the Bible will be considered a lunatic until finally we are silenced. We will be called things that we're not and persecuted, not for being followers of Christ, but for being radical fundamentalists who do not know the true way of Christ, which, of course, is love and tolerance. You'll go down as the greatest bigots and haters of mankind and history. They've already come after your children and for most of you they got them. They got them through the public schools and indoctrination and the university and indoctrination and then you wonder why your children come out not serving the Lord. It's because you fed them right into the devil's mouth. So little by little the net is closing around and then it's not little by little. Look how fast things are going downhill just in a matter of weeks matter of weeks. But at the same time know this, persecution is always meant for evil, but God always means it for good. And is it not better to suffer in this life to have an extra weight of glory in heaven? You must settle this in your mind. This is the one thing I want to say over and over. Do not Believe, down through history, you have a wrong idea of martyrdom and persecution. You think that these men were persecuted and martyred for their sincere faith in Jesus Christ. That was the real reason, but no one heard that publicly. They were martyred and they were persecuted as enemies of the state, as child molesters, as bigots as narrow-minded, stupid people who had fallen for a ruse and can contribute nothing to society. Your suffering will not be noble. So your mind must be filled with the Word of God when all people persecute you and turn on you. And the Spirit of God and common grace pulls back and you see even your children and your grandchildren tossing in the lot that you should die. This is no game. You want revival and awakening, but know this. For the most part, great awakenings have come only preceding great national catastrophes or the persecution of the church. I believe God is bringing a great awakening, but I believe that He is raising up young men who are strong in trust in the providence of God to be able to wade through the hell that's going to break loose on us. And it will be on us before we even recognize it. Unless, unless in God's providence, he is not done. He is not done. Now, note this is this is not silly talk. Apart from a great awakening, these things are going to come upon you. Be ready to lose your homes, your cars and everything.
0: In America. Because we've been asleep at the wheel. And we're chickens who've lost our boldness for Christ to stand for His truth no matter what people threaten us with. No matter how popular it is. This is not, I love his words, silly talk. This is happening as we sit here. This is why I said after the election, this was on my heart as a Christian, as a pastor, if, in fact, we are being given a reprieve, I don't know. Maybe it's a multi-layered ruse that we're about to figure out. We got snookered. I don't know. But if, in fact, we're being given a reprieve, especially after the last eight years, nine more days, of anti- it's been the most anti-God, anti-Christian administration in the United States of America in all of American history. That's the facts. So if we're being given, thinking positive, a reprieve, We know it's not going to last forever because this is coming. The Bible's clear. We better not go back to sleep again. We better use this time and use it wisely to speak up and do our best job to hold the line for God's word and store up as much treasure as we can in heaven because one day the hammer's coming down. That's my fear is that we will go back to sleep. And as the man from Europe said, it's because we've been sleeping is why we're in this mess. And if we fall asleep, if we're given a reprieve, we deserve a double spanking. Let's not go to sleep. Amen? Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question.